We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back in on the score. I'm Mark Grody here with you until 10 o'clock. We're going to talk some bears here in this segment. And then we will hear from Crane Kenny talking about fans in the stands at Wrigley Field and what that will mean for you logistically and what it will mean for the Cubs because that's money that goes into players and the team and getting things back to some normalcy in regards to the budget for the Cubs. So it, it all works together. It affects you in many ways. Your viewing pleasure of the Cubs in terms of a team that you root for and want to see win and getting to sit in a seat at Wrigley Field, albeit on a limited basis. Crane Kenny will break it down for you here in just a little bit. If you didn't hear the news of the day today regarding the Bears, it is that they did place the franchise tag on wide receiver Allen Robinson. About noon today, about three hours ahead of the, the deadline, they did decide to make that decision. The two sides would have until July 15th to work out a long-term deal. It's possible that that could happen. And yes, it is. It is possible that could happen, but it might be at the expense of not getting the splash quarterback that a lot of Bears fans would like to see the Bears get, that it would be one of those those middle-tier quarterbacks, and then maybe if you didn't have to put all your resources, money, personnel, assets into the quarterback position, then maybe you've had some leftover, depending on what goes on with the salary cap, for Allen Robinson and get a deal done. So it sounds strange to say, but it might be good that at least for today, that for right now, Allen Robinson is on the franchise tag because that could connote that the Bears are still working on possibly surprising all of us in that quarterback search. And and nothing is off the table right now. That's what I started the show saying. And here at 9.05 on a Tuesday night on the score, it is still possible that Russell Wilson could be the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. But it, it remains to be seen. There are a lot of things that go against that possibility as well. Um, so we're all standing by and watching and hearing and listening for signs of life and signs of hope. And we will jump on those until we actually hear from a real voice that is somebody on the teams that says, no, Russell Wilson is not going to be our quarterback. Deshaun Watson is not going to be our quarterback. And we've had a lot of opinions tonight. Olin Krutz was on. Olin Krutz was great, as he always is. If you want to check out Olin Krutz, I will allow you to, even right now if you want. He was on at 7 o'clock tonight. If you want to check it out on the Radio.com app now or anytime, Olin Krutz is on there for you. He gave his opinion on what what's going on with Allen Robinson and a lot about the Bears and the development of the players they have. Of course, we talked a lot of offensive line, and we talked about Krutz's new podcast called the No Name Podcast, which he performs with former Bear, former fullback, Jason McKee, and it's great. They had Mike Brown on, and you know that he's going to get all sorts of of A-listers on a podcast like that. Um, And you're welcome to jump into the conversation anytime if you would like via text 
or phone. 312-644-6767 is the number. Matt Nagy recently, the Bears head coach, was interviewed by a couple of uh, my colleagues from the Chicago Tribune, Brad Biggs and Dan Wiederer. Great stuff from those two guys. And Matt Nagy, this is before today. This is before today, mind you. But here here is Matt Nagy talking about the plight right now of his number one wide receiver and his number one offensive player, Allen Robinson. Well, I would say this, number one with, with Allen is um, when we go through these scheme evals every year and, and you see that the great things that he has done for us in all a lot of different aspects, uh, whether it, it is situational with third down, whether it's in the red zone, whether it's a first and 10 play, we just want to get, you know, get, get a good completion. When you talk to different players across the league, you always want to be able to have a guy like Allen that can play the way he plays at big-time times uh, in the season. And then you say, okay, well, what, what does he do as a person as well? And how is he in practice and in meetings? And we love how he is that way. So, you know, for us, it's exciting. And, and for me, on the coaching side of it, uh, we're just I'm just proud of the way that, you know, Mike Furry has has coached him. I'm proud of the way that Allen has accepted coaching. And it, it's, it's really been a, a fun three years. So we're looking forward to more. Yeah, that's kind of a, a generic answer right there. And Matt Nagy saying all the the correct things. I don't even say the right things. Those are the correct things. That is Allen Robinson, coachable, great teammate, great player, all that stuff. And that's why this is for for from from the the point of view of Allen Robinson at this point, a 27 year old man who has done everything right with the Chicago Bears. I think that I do understand from a human standpoint why he is not happy probably right now with what's going on unless he's been told, hey, we might get something done by July 15th. However, I do think it was the right business move on the Bears' part to to do what they're doing because of all the other issues that that they are they're dealing with right now. One other cut, and I haven't heard this one yet, but I, I saw the the little slug on our cut sheet, and it talks about something that occurs in sports a lot and happens in the NFL a lot. Um, And that is complacency. And 2018 was my first year covering the bears and doing the, the sidelines for the, for the radio network for the bears for each game home and road and really getting to know those players on that team. Again, when you're on the road, it it helps because you get to know guys. Um, And it, it was, that was such a great season, the the regular season that it is, 2018, until it wasn't in the playoffs and all of that. But the next two years have been very disappointing. Eight and back-to-back eight and eight seasons. And Matt Nagy right here, we're going to all listen to this together, talking about complacency after that year. What the hell happened? I come into 2018 as the head coach my first year, and – you know, there's a lot of standards and expectations that that comes with that, and you're set, you're setting the new culture, right? I think for for me, what I've learned the most in the last two years, and I put this on me, is is I think we 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 lost a little bit of that the, the those standards. You you just think they're going to happen naturally, you know, from the culture that you build. And when I say that, I'm talking about like practice habits. You know, starting with me, making sure that, hey, every single play, we are going 100 miles per hour. And if you're tired, get your tail out. Next guy up. That's going to that's going to that's going to be a mindset and an attitude that then goes to the playing field on Sunday. I feel like 
when some things didn't happen, it was more about us just saying, okay, well, when is it going to happen instead of making it happen? And I got to be better as a head coach on the front end on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday in practice, making sure that we are the best practice team in the NFL because I fully believe if we are, that'll move till Sunday and Sunday will be easy. And I feel like the last two years, maybe that, we, you know, that slipped a little bit. And my goal going into this season is for that to happen. Bears head coach Matt Nagy right there on the Chicago Tribune website. And by the way, Nagy talked about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. He's going to be calling plays again, by the way, just so you all know, on Sundays. I don't know that for a fact, but I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if he if he isn't, you know, um, you know at the end of the season, everybody kind of got exposed in those last two regular season games and then in the playoff game as well. And Bill Lazor definitely had some moments, but I do think that that will go back to Matt Nagy. I mean, he said he loves calling plays. It is it is his life's blood and maybe he's learned some things. So but I do think he'll be back calling plays. I'll give Matt Nagy some credit right there. I mean, he's—he's—that's a—that's that's really pointing a finger at himself when he talks about standards and practice habits. I mean, kind of indicting himself. Sometimes it's disingenuous when a coach says, "Oh, that's on me, and I got to be better." And and you know, like you're like, "Okay, all right," you know, you're covering up like you're a real hero doing that kind of stuff. But when he talks about standards that are have lessened, that is. That's on the coach, and that's like try-hard stuff. And that those are things that anybody could look at and say, that like when, when teams are making lots of penalties, we could all look at it and say, yeah, that has something to do with the coach and the discipline that is occurring and what's going on in practice. So hopefully he does tighten that part up. All right, one more cut I want to play, and this is where I bring in my, my baby brother, Adam Stadzinski, to talk about the Bears and – Matt Nagy. And I know that when you and I were talking studs, there was something, there was a cut that you told me about via text message that you were pretty hot for. Set it up for us, my friend. So Dan Wiederer and Brad Biggs asked Matt Nagy a little bit about his time in Kansas City, specifically leading up to Kansas City picking Patrick Mahomes in the 2017 draft. And in addition to Nagy talking about what it is that drew them to Mahomes and like how they came, like what about Mahomes ended up being the X factor for them, mm-hmm. he, he got into the process that led up to the draft. And, it, and we can get into this after the cut, but it is not the same process that the Bears followed. Okay. We were able to to spend an inordinate amount of time with there was about six guys that we looked at Dan um, and we we brought them in and um, without getting into a lot of the details of what went on in that in that meeting we we spent a good six to seven hours um, with each of those quarterbacks and and then what you're able to do is you keep the same template for each of those guys and you're able to kind of compare where they're at now does that mean that they're going to be a successful NFL quarterback because of the way you did this process? Uh, and and no, I mean, everyone's a little bit different. How much value and stock you put into the video part, how much value and stock you put into meeting them in person. What do they do up on the board? Very similar to what you see with, uh, with Coach Gruden when yeah. he had the, the quarterbacks coming in. 
it was similar to that, you know, and seeing how much they can retain. Um, where what is their personality like? Being in a room with three other coaches and, and talking ball. Um, how do they handle tough questions? What are their study habits like? Uh, and then letting them tell us about where they came from and how they work and what their strengths and weaknesses are. And then you got to go ahead and I think the people involved got to all talk through the whys. And, uh, I, you know, for, for me to learn that process through Coach Reed and be a part of that, that was a big one for us. That, that It took a lot of time, a ton of research on tape, a ton. And uh, it wasn't something that just happened in a couple of weeks. It, it took a while. That's the Bears head coach, Matt Nagy, talking about, and again, the process when he was the the quarterback's coach, offensive coordinator for a minute or two in in Kansas City. And um, Adam, I got, a, I got a feeling I know what maybe is bothering you about this, but the stage, my friend, the floor, the 50,000 watts are yours. Well, it just... The first time when I heard this, I was like, oh, my God, like this is what a competent organization does when you're evaluating the most important position in the sport. And and as we now infamously know, the Bears supposedly never sat down with Deshaun Watson. And it seems like they did do their due diligence on Patrick Mahomes and Mitchell Trubisky. But it just and, and we'll never know probably how much work they actually did on all these guys. But it doesn't mm-hmm. sound like they spent six to seven hours with not just those guys. Nagy said they sat down with six guys. So there were three other quarterbacks that the Chiefs sat down and met with extensively. Why didn't that happen here? It just, it, I was, it was, it set me off on a, just a completely like angry tangent of, I cannot <laughs> believe that like I'm hearing this right now. This is competence, and, and although it did at the same time, it's making me angry it, retrospectively about 2017 and, and the process that was used, as they say. It did give me some hope for the Bears this year and moving oh. forward when it comes to that because Nagy was there in Kansas City, saw this process, took part in that process, and so hopefully he can bring that level of competency to the Bears in their search for a quarterback, whether it's evaluating a quarterback in the draft or deciding if they're going to go after someone in a trade or free agency or, or what have you. So it, it, I guess you could say I ended up in a neutral position on the whole thing, but it really just blew my mind to hear the level of competency versus the whatever the hell was happening in Chicago at the time. Yeah, and I, I do think that like when he, when Ryan Pace, obviously we all know, moved up to number two to select Mitchell Trubisky, and honestly, when it when it happened, I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, like I get it, the people are like, why you didn't need to move up necessarily, but I did not know any better. Like I, I thought, okay, the, everybody likes Trubisky. Like a lot of organizations liked him. He was one of the top prospects, number one on a lot of people's boards. Um, so. I wasn't mad, but like obviously when we go back and we hear what was done and what wasn't done, I totally understand where you're coming from. I do think, though, that there it will not be Ryan Pace on an island this year. I believe them when Matt Nagy will have a bigger say, and I think all, all eyes and ears are going to be in on what they're doing right now. And I'm kind of glad that, that we haven't heard – anything concrete from the Bears' side or any real names being spouted from their side, that means to me that there's some 
there's some hard work going on and hopefully some surprising work going on in terms of who the next quarterback is. Um, studs, what about this? I think I, I threw this out there, and I, it, you might have even been producing the show. Might have been on. It might have been on one of the the Saturday suckage Rosenblum, and I, I said this flippantly and jokingly, and thinking I was clever. And now I'm thinking that maybe there's more to it. That what about Drew Brees? And Drew Brees has not announced his retirement yet. Apparently, he's been bulking up. I heard. We all know that. That Ryan Pace, he comes from New Orleans, and he's very fond of that organization, the way it worked, and how they did business, and he loved Drew Brees. He thought maybe that's what Mitchell Trubisky had in him, that capability, and maybe that's the type of guy he was thinking Trubisky could be. Um, let me know what you think of this, Studs. What if, what if Drew Brees was the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears this year, and they drafted a quarterback at 20, and they just told Breeze, you are the guy, but you are going to be the mentor to this young quarterback who will start for us the next next year. It doesn't sound as crazy as it once did. Or, or does it? It's, it's not totally insane. I just, I don't know... How much? It, well, I, I'll, I'll say this: Drew Brees would be an improvement, considering what we saw from Trubisky and Foles in the past year. Like I yeah, think he's better than both he's, those guys. He's better, so that would be an upgrade. Therefore, I would be okay with it. I mean, I, I, I'm still gonna keep my head in the clouds and think to myself that they're gonna get someone way better, like uh-huh. you know, one of these star guys, until yeah. it doesn't happen, like you were saying earlier. But if if it ends up being Drew Brees and they make a move in the draft, whether it's at 20 or what have you, for a younger guy, I I would be okay with that. I, I just I Drew Brees doesn't have he's getting he's really close to being like Peyton Manning in his last year with the Broncos, where the dude just could barely throw downfield. Yeah. And I mean he got benched for Brock Osweiler and we saw how good that ended up being. <laughs> so Yeah, I think what I think is this I think that if Drew Brees was to play again, no matter where, I mean, it would probably probably be with the Saints. But if he was to play again, and it, I think it would still be a surprise, like I think he could be good for like half of a season and then he would run out of gas. You know what I mean? Like he'd come in strong. He'd come in refreshed and rejuvenated and all that kind of stuff like players are at the beginning of the year. It's just, I think it would just be the stamina throughout a 16 game season where he may start to lose it. And I don't think that he would come back if he thought that he really could not um, perform well enough or have the zip or lose more of the zip as it were. But I also think it's, I do think it's hilarious, man. Cause you're, you're like me and a lot of other people that are covering the bears, bears fans. Like we hear logical things like, there's no way that the the Seattle Seahawks would trade a guy and put themselves in salary cap hell. And we're all like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. Like, I don't care. Very fingers and ears. I don't care. Hang up on that guy. Hang up. Hub Hub Arkers is making sense. Hang up on him immediately. No, we're not. John we're not Clayton here. just said there's no way. Not here. Not here for making right, sense right. right now. And I will. My I do... rule for now on will be to dump them. All right. All right like I'm when, down. If Patrick Finley comes on here again and tells me about all the problems that Seattle would have without Russell, dump that stuff. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, I and I should also note, and, and we can keep because 
this going on on Drew Brees if you want, but it, I he is still under contract with the Saints. I had to I wasn't sure, so I had to look it up. And no, his, I'm glad you did. His cap hit for this year is twelve million. His dead cap is twenty two. So that's a net that's a ten million dollar gain in cap for the Seahawks or not the Seahawks, the Saints, <laughs> if they were to get rid of him. And they're okay. already like $60 million over the cap. So I think wow. that if he comes back, he will be with the Saints. Yeah. It, so I think that, honestly, that might be less likely that he moves than Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, just because of how wow. bad their cap situation is. But is the, weird. The, idea, the idea of Drew Brees is I'm okay with that. Yeah, and you know that... I'm sure Ryan, I mean, look, they, they said they were exploring everything. I'm sure that that can't be ruled out. And I mean, Ryan Pace has connections card. in New Orleans. It's where he came from. Oh, yeah. You know, hey, Amen. connecting dots here. Or maybe it was the other guy that played in, you know, in New Orleans last year, Jameis Winston. Maybe, maybe he's more interested. I feel Even like, that, like Jameis. I'm okay with that. Like, I'm not a big fan of Jameis Winston, Winston the person necessarily. But if we're talking about just. The idea of him coming here playing quarterback, if there's no other options on the table, I'm fine with it just because if the team's not going to be that good anyway, at least we get the chaotic fun ride of Jameis Winston where are we going to see him come out and throw five touchdowns and it's going to be amazing or is he going to throw two touchdowns and five picks and two of them are going to be pick sixes and it's just going to be a complete roller coaster. Like I loved watching Tampa Bay games his last year there because it was so fun to watch him play because you just didn't know it was going to happen. You feel like, too, with him, like he's young enough to where you could still coach him and coach some of the the mistakes out of him. I mean, this is a guy who had, in one year, he had 30 interceptions and, like, led the league in pick sixes. However, he also had 32 touchdown passes. So there there is... There is some great raw material in there with Jameis. I mean, the guy's a number one overall pick. So the pedigree is there. 32 touchdowns and 5,000 yards is great if you don't worry about the interceptions. Yeah, and I mean, I think that you you could work with it. Like like I said, he, he is young enough, and as we both said, talented enough that a good coach, I think, and and that's the thing, because I was thinking about this too, because of Russell Wilson's little list, you know, we could remove Dallas from his list, but New Orleans was one of the teams or the destinations that he hasn't asked for a trade, but if he did, he would go to New Orleans. And hopefully Sean Payton is that coach that is thinking right now with his ego, thinking, hey, I don't need Russ Wilson. I don't even need Drew Brees. I am, because some people say he's a genius, right? So I can make any quarterback work in my system, and wouldn't he want to do that with with Jameis Winston? So it is Winston that I I still think could very well end up with uh, with the New Orleans Saints. But and and Winston's name, it's funny. Like it's it feels like it's been like a this this long circle, and Winston was on the early part of it, and we haven't heard much from him. It's like it's like no, he's still out there. He's still out there. Even it's just we've been so clouded and so dominated by those two names, Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, and we don't really want to think about the 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 middle to upper middle class of quarterbacks that are out there and that the Bears may be forced to resort to. Um, all right, let's take a break. When we come back, we will all listen because I have not heard this interview 
in its entirety yet. I've heard a couple of cuts being played throughout the day here on the score, but Crane Kenny is the president of business operations for the Cubs, and he was on the, the Mully and Haw show today. And the theme of the conversation is you, the fans, Cubs fans, being allowed to come back to Wrigley Field, how that will work logistically, who gets the tickets. All of that will be straightened out next with Crane Kenny on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. I did just hear that news, actually, when I got back in from practice. And, you know, it's a start, man. It's a start. It's definitely better than opening day you know, with what we had last year. We obviously get to kick it off in April, and, you know, we get to start the year off with some fans in the stands, and hopefully that number increases gradually throughout the year. Yeah, and Jason Hayward on with Lawrence Holmes on the score the other day, reacting to the news that the mayor of Chicago, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, has said has opened the door, the proverbial door to say, yes, Cubs and Sox, you could have fans around 8,000-plus or so, so that's that's pretty cool for the people who want to check out a game, and hopefully that will remain throughout the season. Who knows? Maybe they'll even add on throughout the year. Are we ready for 162 games again? Because I feel like everybody kind of enjoyed that 60-game schedule and seven-inning doubleheaders and man on second base and designated hitter, and I know that could still be there. Uh, there, there are a lot of things that maybe some of us didn't think were going to feel good that did feel great. So... Get get ready, man. Hope we're all hope we're all ready and back in shape for 162 because it's coming. And the president of business operations for the Cubs, Crane Kenny, was on the score this morning with Molly and Haw, and he was talking about that very topic of fans in the stands. He will add some details for you right here on the score. Crane, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Crane. Hey, good morning, guys. How are we doing today? Pretty happy day, pretty great news yesterday. Everybody feeling uh, pretty fired up about the idea of actually getting to watch and attend some baseball this summer. It's just great news. Yeah, just a terrific day for our fans and for our city and and the game of baseball yesterday. And, uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to April 1st. So, Crane, we begin with 20% capacity, and obviously that's a good sign because it's much better than it was last year. But I imagine that there are plans in place to incrementally increase that capacity. What is the long-term goal, and can we see a full Wrigley Field by the end of this season? Yeah, and uh, I think the word goal is pretty important there, uh, uh, Dave. Um, yeah, so we're we're starting at 20%. Um, you know, as we look around the – the landscape we're seeing, you know, different states opening with different percentages. In Milwaukee, I think they're going to open with 25%. The Cardinals are going to have 32%. Um, if you look east, Cincinnati and, and the Ohio teams are going to open with 30%. So, we, you know, we, we see a path, you know, with success early on at 20% uh, to, to move to 30 um, And then, you know, ideally sometime this year, we, we'd like to see 100% in the ballpark. So, uh, certainly the goal is by the time we're playing in October, you know, we're seeing a full ballpark. Um, you know, when we think about what Mayor Lightfoot said, she talked about how well uh, things are going in terms of uh, of the local testing and, and the, the numbers are at 2.8%. It's below 3%, which is wonderful. Uh, as, the, as the vaccine gets uh, uh, more widely spread, as uh, hopefully this herd immunity hits, um, is there any idea how quickly that can move? Is there any idea? I mean, you're going to have to wait for the numbers, but, you know, you say by the end of the year, um, I'm sure you have different steps in place as to how you could gradually increase. 
Yeah, and and everything will be driven by by the the numbers and and health in our city and state. And I and I just a, a shout out to the mayor and our governor for working so closely with us. Um, really, if you look back, you know this start, started for us back in in 2020. Uh, the mayor allowed us to open the rooftops, and we were able to successfully bring fans into into the Wrigleyville area uh, to watch our game last year. And we had no uh, uh, incidents of uh, of COVID spread. Actually, no contact tracing that went back to any attendance at a, at a rooftop through the whole season. And as you know, we were the only team uh, in baseball to to get the season done without a, a positive test for our players. So. I, I, we, we demonstrated some ability last year and then working with the mayor and the governor in the offseason uh, to convince them we could do the same thing with fans in the ballpark in 2021, you know, it was really, uh, it was really a good, good process. Um, I got to throw a big thanks to Dr. Citrenberg from uh, Advocate Aurora Health. He was with us every step of the way to, to make sure the plan for this year worked. And so the goal, just as you point out, like as the numbers continue to come down, hopefully, and again, the the, uh, the uh, availability of the vaccine goes up, um, we think the numbers, you know, the percentage attendance continues to, to ride with them, with them. But that'll all be done with the city and state's approval. And um, thankfully, there's a really good partnership there. So, Crane, I think people understand in that 8200 number, the priority that will be placed on season ticket holders. But how do you balance prioritizing season ticket holders with the obvious demand from people who might be interested in single game tickets and how that will create, uh, you know, its own kind of demand. So that's, that's a difficult uh, balance to strike, I would imagine. Yeah. You know, and David, it is, but it's something we strike every year. You know, we, we limit our number of, of season tickets in the ballpark uh, every season. You know, we have over a hundred thousand people on the waiting list and we could certainly sell more season tickets every year. Uh, than we already do, but we do want to always keep some number of tickets available for the general public. Um, I think that's the fair way to do it. Um, and so we're, you know, we're always in the business of capping the number of season tickets uh, that we sell. Th- this will be a little different. I just, I- I'd confess from from the beginning, uh, the majority of the seats we sell will be to season ticket holders. They've been those people who've been with us for the long haul, not just this last year, but really from the beginning. Uh, many of them 40 and 50 year season ticket holders, and they've gone through some pretty uh, pretty tough stretches of baseball, um, and are now just being rewarded for that for that loyalty. They've also been the the folks who've had their money on account with us for more than a year now, um, waiting to come see baseball. So, you know, I, I'll admit up front that the majority of the tickets will be season ticket holders, but there will be some tickets available for the general public. Uh, Crane, you know, we know Tom uh, used the term uh, biblical when he talked about the scale of losses across the league last year. And and I know that that your baseball budget is set up by what you uh, uh, what you're able to earn. Um, Is there any feeling that this could help you? To, to have a bigger budget come trade deadline or anything along those lines? I mean, are those numbers already set and this is about next year's numbers or could there possibly be an influx of uh, of capital that could help you come trade deadline? Yeah, well, listen, um, you know, the, the, the lifeblood of our business is having, having people in the building. And, you know, it's not just the ticket sales and concessions and parking and, and premium. It's the corporate partnership revenue as well. So, yeah, um, no question having people in the ballpark will help us this year. Um, at 20%, um, we get to about break even in terms of operating the ballpark because one of the things we've promised 
to our to the city and the state is that we're going to staff the ballpark as if it's full, even though there's only 20 percent of the people in, in in the building. That means all the concession stands will be open, you know, all the restrooms will be open, all the gates will be open. You know, typically, if you told me we're going to have 8,000 people in the building, we would scale down our labor costs. But we're not going to do that because we need to make sure, you know, everyone is is dispersed around the building as if we were full. So at at 8,000 people in the in the building, we'll cover our labor costs and the cost of operation. Um, but obviously, as we scale up from 20 percent, you know, you'll start to see some revenue come in that it could be used for players and other things. So, Crane, as you welcome back that staff to for games and the employees that uh, weren't working last year, obviously, how do you uh, how do you prepare them? The, the human element, do you do you, you know, talk to them about it's, it's a different situation. It's a different experience. And how do you, is there a different level of training that now they have to undergo? And, uh, you know, there's risks that they have to be willing to take as well. And I can I imagine those orientations will be much different this time around. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Um, yeah, the training is is going to be different this year, um, and it's it was true last year as well. You know, in, in many ways, you know, for a hundred seasons plus, we've been playing baseball here at the corner Clark and Addison, and um, in many ways, the playbook doesn't change much from year to year in terms of how we host our fans and protect our players and and uh, our partners. Uh, this year will be completely different. A um, whole new set of protocols, uh, many of them dictated by Major League Baseball and the CDC. Um, our, our, our baseball staff here is just a wonderful group of people. As you know, it's the friendly confines. They do an incredible job to make people feel comfortable coming into the ballpark. But they'll, they'll have all new protocols, everything from the way we screen people on the way in. We're employing all new technology. Um, you won't be emptying your pockets any longer uh, when you come in. We're really trying to reduce the touch points um, throughout the experience, uh, cashless at the concession stands, cashless with our vendors. Um, everything will be digital ticketing again. So we're trying to minimize the number of times uh, a guest coming into the building will have to interact with someone else other than the group they're coming with. So David, you come with your family party of four. Um, the goal is to get you into your seat, to get you a, a soda and a, and a hot dog uh, or a new, a new baseball cap. Uh, use the restrooms and then exit with as, as little contact as possible, and that's completely different because typically we're trying to increase the touch points with our with our staff. So whether it's your usher, your ticket taker, uh, your vendor, your concessionaire, uh, your entry or exit uh, host, you know we're trying to make contact with our our fans. So it is a it's a different training program. Uh, David Cromwell runs that for us. He's got a whole new manual to uh, to begin training our staff and. Um, It'll be it'll be interesting. I would say we're doing much of the same thing in Arizona. Uh, I was there uh, for our opening day game, and uh, it's been going really well. Um, I think you know a year in now, uh, fans are ex- are used to certain experiences being different, um, and and we've seen it in Arizona where folks are really following the protocols. If you watch any of our games, people are staying in their spots on the berm. People are wearing masks in the stands. Um, the lines, are, there's no big lines coming in or out because of our new screening technology with our, our technology partner, Evolve. And so we're, we're so far so good in Arizona, and that'll carry over in Chicago. Great stuff, Crane. Thanks a ton. We appreciate your time. Thanks, Crane. All right, guys. Have a great day. Talk soon. You too. Okay, buddy. You too. That is yep. Crane Kenny. That is uh, great news. Coming down the stretch here on the Grody Show, in for the Joe O Show. 
On Chicago Sports Radio 70, the score CBS Radio coming up top of the hour. Then it is the one and only Grobber with score overnight beginning at midnight until 5. And then we're all waking up with Molly and Haw. And you should know that on the Molly and Haw show tomorrow morning, 8.30, it will be the head coach of the Chicago Bulls, Billy Donovan, as the Bulls enjoy one more day on break tomorrow before they host Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers. I do believe that's a 7 o'clock game right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score with Chuck Swirsky and Bill Wennington. 3 one 2 6 67 I'm going to react to some of the things that you just heard from the Cubs and Crane Kenny in a moment. But uh, we've had a guy who has been uh, waiting quite a while here on hold, and I appreciate Brad doing that. Brad, you're in Gardner, and you are on the score. What's going on, my friend? What's going on, Grody? Nothing, Brad. What's up with you, buddy? Not much. Uh, first off, Cubs-wise, um, not a huge Rizzo fan. I don't care. I'd rather have Bryant. Um, but my Bears points is if they're going to get Russell Wilson, offer a Jay Cutler package, two firsts, two-thirds, uh, Nick Foles. If they don't do that, fine. Roll it back with – or run it back with Mitch and just draft. And do what Mitch is good at. Roll him out. And, I mean, A-Rob loves him already. I mean, you're going to get Mitch way cheaper than you're going to get any trade of a quarterback. And I'd rather have Mitch than Alex Smith or Matt Ryan or whoever you want to talk about. But that, that those are my Bears points and Cubs points. Um, resign Bryant, resign Baez. Bye-bye, Rizzo. Okay, babe, Brad, I got, I got to ask you. And I'll react to your Bears comment there, too, but... What do you got against Rizzo? I I, I just don't like him. I, I I don't know what it is. I have a jersey. I have a Rizzo jersey. Uh, my wife has. I, I got my wife the Bryant jersey. I've just never been a huge fan of Rizzo. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, you you, per, you bought you committed to a Rizzo jersey, but you don't like well, him. I mean, that's like an I, investment. I bought, yo. I bought both of them, and I gave her the option of which one she wanted. Okay. Um, Why didn't you get like a like a Baez and a Bryant or something like that? Why'd you go Rizzo if you don't you don't well, like him? Well, this this is this is 2016. Um, oh, okay. So, so you did like him before, before Baez broke. No, I I wanted I wanted Bryant one. She is in love with him. So I you know being the the good guy that I am, I said go ahead, take Bryant. You know I I have an Arietta, I have a Pryor, I have a Wood, I have a Grace. I might as well take Rizzo. And you never liked Rizzo. I mean, I you never liked him. I. I mean, what's, I'm trying to figure out what's not to like about, you know, I just, 30 home runs it, and 100 it, RBIs every year. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not debating that. It's, it's, it's not. It's not a statistical thing. It's oh, a uh, yes. Oh, what happened? Um, you might have to ask one of the uh, one of the hosts of. Uh, the two to six show is uh, that that's that's okay. where I that's where I first that's where I first got it. And then all right, I paid- all right. Well, 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 I guess we'll I guess I'm getting myself in a little deep here. I guess I'll have to ask one of those two to six hosts. Um, all right, the Bears thing. I, the hold Bears. on, I yeah, I'm yeah, so ahead, confused Doug. by 
I first of all, I've never heard someone say they don't like Anthony Rizzo. <laughs> well, Second of I all, <laughs> I feel like he set himself up for failure with this jersey purchase by buying the jersey of someone he knows he what his wife loves, and then buying another jersey of someone he doesn't like. Like, I would have never bought yeah, the Rizzo I mean, like, jersey. There's so about, many <laughs> like there's so many cool Cubs players that like from that core from 15 and 16 that that they they could have. He could have chosen from, you know, I mean, really. And I'm also, I'm trying to, I mean, I wasn't here in 2016 or when Rizzo still got here. So I don't, I, I, I don't know what. The two to six guy, guys around two to six would not have liked about. I, I don't. I don't know. Maybe they didn't sign an questions. autograph for him. <laughs> I don't <laughs> sign an autograph for something. Maybe silly. that's it. I don't know. I, yeah, I just I'm confused. And uh, okay, there, there we go. Yeah, I mean, if if like I knew that the caller or like he was some like a source or credible or whatever, I would have said, okay, what happened? But I can't, I I can't let that go on the radio if uh, if it's something that's not true. Because obviously there's something personal there. So, um, all right. Um, and then and then he wants Trubisky back. Whew. I mean, he's probably right Hi. about the fact that that Trubisky is just as good as. Not, I think Matt Ryan is still better than Trubisky. Yes, Matt Ryan is better than Trubisky. Uh, but yeah, you know, Alex Smith. Yeah, I would say I would take Trubisky over Alex Smith. I just think and I've been saying it. Over and over, this is it's time. You know, there, it's it's an That's, amicable. It can be a breakup where both sides are better off without the other. Yeah, right? I I am in full agreement with you. Like they gave him yeah. every chance possible to be great. He's not it. If and I guess that I'm just overall disinterested in any quarterback that isn't the guy at this point. That's just yeah. how I feel now. Yeah, we've seen it play out, and you're right. They they did give him every opportunity, and uh, for whatever reason. Has it worked? He might be better off with a different organization. The Bears are probably better off without Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. Glad we waited. Uh, or he waited 30 minutes to get on the air. Uh, that's all good, man. No, that was a, the, the Trubisky stuff was kind of interesting. I just didn't know where we were going with old Rizzo. Maybe we'll call Grobber. Grobber's on at midnight, midnight to five. This has been fun. Last two days have been a blast filling for Joe O. Fun to hang out with everybody for four hours straight i'll be back actually on friday from uh six till i believe 7 45 then i'll be on saturday with rosenblum then sunday morning nine to noon so yeah i'll be coming in strong at the end of the week thank you to patrick finley for being on the show of the sun times talking bears olin Krutz was excellent as always he was on at seven if you want to go check that out on the radio.com app our guy he cracked me up he is eli herskovich uh, of Radio.com Sports and BetQL. Thank you, Eli, for coming on. And Adam Stanzinski put the whole thing together, doing a great job, as always. And thanks to all of you for listening. I'll talk to you soon on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. You kids can't keep your heads to yourself. I'm going to turn this car around, and there'll be no Cape Canaveral for anybody. That's it. Back to Winnipeg. <laughs> We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.